1 Corinthians 10.30. There we go. Wow. 1 Corinthians 10.32. 1 Corinthians 10.32, Bible says, Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. 1 Corinthians 10.32. I don't know where they, apparently they all got taken. What happened to them? I had 30 of them. I know we don't have 30 people in here. Do we have 30 people in here? Okay. <laughs> so, all right. Um, where are we? First Corinthians 10, there's Romans 14, 17, First Corinthians 10, 32, 1 John 5, 7. 1 John 5, 7. This deals with the deity of Christ. This is actually from way back in the spring of last year. We were talking about the deity of Christ, and this is a definitive verse on the deity of Christ, that he is God in the flesh. Not found in most modern versions. They take it out. Not only do they take it out, but they lie to you and split verse 8 into half and put it back into verse 7 so you don't know that it's missing. All right, First Corinthians, uh, First John chapter 5, verse 7 says this. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. First John 5, 7, right? Good, all right, last one. Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. Revelation 1, 18. This deals with, uh, we talked about how Jesus Christ, uh, what, what he did those three days and three nights while he was uh, dead. And uh, how he got the keys of hell. All right, so Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. I won't sing it, I want to sing it, but I won't sing it. All right, Revelation 1.18. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Revelation 1.18. All right. So I've uh, had a handful of people quote their memory verses to me and my wife. If you want to quote them, you can say it to us anytime up till next week. Even next week you can say it, okay? Um, they're not super long verses. Most of them are short. And uh, it's good to memorize the scriptures. It's good to hide it in your hearts, keep it there, and be able to use it when the, the Holy Spirit uh, allows you to. So, all right. Very good, very good. That clock is not right, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, okay. All right, so <clears throat> let's, uh, let's pray and then we'll get started here. Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for your book. Thank you for that you've given us exactly what we need to know to get through this life. You've told us that you've given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. And uh, Lord, the information that's contained in your words is, is uh, part of that. And I just pray that you would um, help us today. As we get into your word and study this fifth baptism, pray that you would help uh, it to be understandable, help my words to be clear, and help me to speak everything that's correct and accurate and be able to explain it well. Pray to help, help it to uh, increase these folks' understanding and knowledge of what you've done for us and the, the differences and the divisions we need to understand in your word. And I uh, pray that this would be pleasing to you 
and uh, uh, help to these people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so uh, really quick recap. I know we spent several weeks talking about being in Christ. I'm going to just touch that as we go into the introduction of this baptism today. So remember, we're talking about baptisms in the Bible. There's seven of them, seven different ones. Don't confuse them. They're different, okay? Um, <clears throat> when you see the word baptism in the Bible, you should ask yourself three questions. Who is doing the baptizing? Who are they doing it to, or whom is being baptized? To whom, to whom are they? I don't know. Grammar was not my strong suit in school. <laughs> Who is being baptized? That's the second thing you should ask. And number three, into what? Who's baptizing whom into what? All right. We talked about John the, Baptist, John the Baptist's baptism. We talked about the baptism with the Holy Ghost. We talked about the baptism of fire. And we talked about the baptism of suffering. All right, and as far as introduction, and I'm not recording. One second. As far as an introduction, last few weeks, we preliminarily dealt with the fact that Paul says that to the, when he's writing to the Roman church at least, he says that in Romans 12, verse 5, we are one body in Christ. All right, and that's going to come into play very strongly in a second here. Um, we looked at the connection with being in Christ is equated to being saved in Ephesians chapter 2. And then the last several weeks, we, I, want, I spent, purposely spent a lot of time going through the scriptures and showing us the benefits that we all have by being in Christ. If you're in Christ, if by faith in Jesus Christ, if you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel, that he died for your sins, your sins, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day and you've put your trust in that work of Jesus Christ, you are what the Bible calls saved, born again. You become a child of God because you put your faith in Christ Jesus. That puts you into Christ. And we talked about the value of being in Christ. We had 30 things that we dealt with. There's more in the Bible, but we just dealt with 30, 30 benefits of being in Christ. And that's why, uh, one of the reasons why, I say this baptism is the most important baptism there is. All right, of all the seven, this is the most important. Now, uh, the question I need to ask then is, well, by what means do we get into Christ? How does that happen? All right, we know the, the faith that we place in Christ is what precipitates this. But how are we actually put into Christ? And that's what this baptism is. And let's look at the, what I believe is the definitive verse. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I just broke it. <laughs> the definitive verse for this... For this uh... <sighs> Dave. <laughs> yeah, just the clip. Yeah, it's just a clip. I broke the clip like an idiot. Okay, stop fiddling with it while I'm talking. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, this is the definitive verse on this baptism, okay? With this, with this verse really is going to help us through the rest of the references of this baptism. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. Now, uh, Pastor Schott's teaching on uh, the Corinthian church. 
he's mentioned several times, this was a very, very carnal church. Not spiritual, very carnal. There's all sorts of divisions in the church because they're carnal. Um, and he's trying to deal with them and get them to act as one unit, as one body. And how can that happen? Well, this is what he talks about. He's starting to deal with one thing, particular aspect in chapter 12. Um, he's talking about the different spiritual gifts that the Lord gives. And they're not for everybody to vaunt themselves against one another, but they're for to edify the body of Christ and bring it together in unity. And, and the, the spiritual gifts are not there to distinguish everybody from each other, but to help one another. And uh, look at verse 11 of this chapter. Um, Paul says, speaking of the spiritual gifts, but all these spiritual gifts worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. So the gifts are all given by one spirit. Verse 12, now he's going to give an illustration here. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Okay? Now, what he says, we've got an illustration. I got a body. I got hands. I got feet. I got legs. I got arms. I got eyes. I got a nose. I got a head. I got hair. Th those are all different parts. And if I, if I was, was to define my body by all the different parts, it would be, it, 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 nobody does that. All right? What does he say? All, we all, as, as the body is one, it hath many members. But all the members of that, of that one body, being many, are one body. They all work together in one body. What does he say? So also is Christ. He's telling the Corinthian church there that, look, you guys are all focused on all the differences, um, which there are differences between people, okay? But you're focused on all the individual members being different. He says, you're one body. He says, Christ is like that one body. There's one body that has all these different uh, members to it, but it's still one body. And he says, so also is Christ. So what is, he, what is he telling the church? He's telling the church that they are one body. Well, look at this, the verse 13. This is where we understand how you get into Christ. <clears throat> For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all and have been all made to drink into one spirit. All right, he says, look, you might be a Jew in this church, you might be a Gentile in this church, you might be someone who's bond, or you might be free, it doesn't matter. You're all one body. And what does he say? Look at the first phrase of this verse. This first phrase of the verse answers all three questions that we should ask ourselves when it comes to a baptism. He says this, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one one body. All right, let's look at this. What's the first question? Who is baptizing? According to this verse, reading exactly what it says, who is doing the baptizing? The Spirit of God. All right. According to this verse, looking exactly at what it says, who is being baptized? You're right. What does the word say? We all. So Paul includes himself, and he includes the church. What, well, what's the church concluded? Look at, look at way back at chapter 1. <clears throat> so Paul includes the people he's writing to, and he includes himself. 
First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1 says, Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. Look at this. To them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Okay, so particularly written to this church at Corinth, but he includes, who does he include there? Every single person in every single place that is called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when he says in verse 13 of chapter 12, for by one spirit are we all, that is every person who is called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. We all are by one spirit. So who's doing the baptism? The spirit of God. Who is being baptized? We all. That's those who have trusted Christ. Into what are they baptized? One body. What is that body? Christ. Look back at verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Christ is one body. It's Christ to whom you're, uh, into who, what uh, we all are baptized in, okay? So this, uh, going back to point five, so you can fill in the blanks there, this, the fifth baptism, is the baptism by the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, I should have put there, into Christ. The baptism by the Holy Spirit into Christ. We talked about. In Christ, we have this. In Christ, we have that. In Christ, we have this. We have this benefit in Christ. We have this power in Christ. We have this privilege in Christ. How? How did you get there? You didn't put yourself there. I didn't put myself there. Who does he say? We all was related to who have called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When that happened, along with a thousand other things, the Holy Spirit took you and put you into Christ into that body. And that is, what we talk about baptism being immersion, you are immersed into that body. You are, you are enveloped with that, the body of Christ. Yes, sir, you have a question? Yeah, so I, I, I don't want to take too much time away from this, but yes. I, I, just, I, I'm just, I just want to rephrase the second baptism. Yes. Yes. So if you recall, the baptism with the Holy Ghost was, remember, okay, so that baptism, think about the questions. Who did the baptizing with that? It was Jesus Christ. John the Baptist said Jesus Christ would baptize you with the Holy Ghost. The baptism with the Holy Ghost is a baptism into the Holy Ghost, not a baptism into Christ. And I will say this, I will say this. Very good men that I know, that I trust and have learned from, I've heard conflate these two, and I don't think it's correct. I do not think the baptism with the Holy Ghost is the same as the baptism by the Holy Ghost. Um, because, number one, the words are different. <laughs> the, 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 whole, the whole process is different. The baptism with the Holy Ghost is Jesus Christ baptizing the apostles into the Holy Ghost. This is the Holy Spirit baptizing the believers into Christ. It might be a little nuanced. Do you see the difference, though? Okay.
So the, the two, let me, let me interrupt you there, because the end result of the first one is receiving the Holy Spirit. The end result of this one is being placed into the body of Christ. So does that, does that make it different enough? Okay. Yes, ma'am. Oh, I'm not going to get into that now. <laughs> I don't have an answer for that. I'll tell you that right now. I don't have an answer for that. Some people say they do, and I don't know if there is. <clears throat> they're the, well, they're the same entity, but there's reasons why the Bible calls out one as the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit, and I'm not going to... I don't know a good answer to that. I have thoughts, but I don't have a good answer to that. So, All right, so is that, does that clarify it? Okay, so that's the difference. And yes, I do hear people mix the two, and I do not believe they are the same. They are not, de they are not delineated as the same way. They are different. One is baptism into the Holy Ghost. One is baptism into Christ. One is done by the Holy Ghost. One is done by Christ. Okay, so that's the difference. Okay, so, so here's some things to note about this baptism. Number one, uh, I say this because of, uh, I'm a, I probably, well, okay. Let me just say these things and I'll, I'll say what I want to say. Here's some things to note. We looked at who does the baptizing. Well, it's done by the Spirit of God, correct? It, uh, therefore, it's not done by a pastor. It's not done by an elder. It's not done by a priest or any other person, which I'll will explain why that's important. Some, some of you are saying, oh, of course, and some of you are saying, having questions in your mind because you know where I'm, what I'm talking about. All right, this is, a, this is a baptism done by the Holy Spirit of God. A pastor can't do this baptism for you, okay? Um, a priest, an elder can't do this baptism for you. So understand that, first of all. How do I know that? Because it says by one spirit. Um, number two, letter B there under point two. The group that's identified as we saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, shows us it's not just this local church that is the body, but it's all that call upon the name of Jesus Christ. All right? And the reason I say that is because there's some people that do not accept the scriptural truth of one body in Christ. They believe that the local church is that one body. And that is false. And it leads to some really weird doctrines. It's not just the local church that he delineates here. It's all. He says, we all. Let me, let me show you one thing about this. So Paul says, we, right? He says, we. So even if he's just writing to this local church, not to all that call upon the name of the Lord, he includes himself with this local church. Is Paul a member of the church of Corinth? No. No. I mean, he visited there, he preached there, but he's not a member of that local church. Look at Romans chapter 12. If you know the, the history of Paul's missionary journeys, you know that he did not end up in Rome until later in his life. So in Romans, he's writing to the Roman church. Look at, look at verses 4 and 5. And maybe nobody in here knows what I'm talking about, and that's good, because there's some really weird stuff out there. Romans 12, verse 4 says, For as we have many members in one body, this is exactly what he says in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, look at what he says, So we, 
So who is that? The Roman church, Roman, not the Roman Catholic church, but the Roman, the church at Rome, and Paul himself. We. Paul says, we, Roman church and me. So we, being many, are one body in Christ. How could there be just a, simply a local church being the body of Christ if Paul includes himself in a local church that he's not ever been to? <laughs> okay, so I, I, again, if you don't know what I'm talking about, good. <laughs> because, because there's a, some, some strange doctrines out there and they're wrong. Yes, sir. Isn't there a difference between the local church and the church universal? Yes, although I do not like to use you know, the word universal because it's not in the scriptures, but yes. You're talking about, the Bible's term for that is one, the body, the one body. It's one body, and it, if you look in scripture, that one body, like we saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, is all that call upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, but that... So there's a difference. The Bible does delineate. There is a difference between a local assembly of believers and the body of Christ. And some people do not make that distinction. And that's a problem because you end up with strange stuff. Yes, dear? Okay, and that is where the weirdness comes in because there are some people that teach that if you're not part of a local church, you're not part of the body of Christ. And while I firmly believe the Bible tells you you should be joined to a congregation of believers, that is not being part of the body of Christ. Yes, sir. I, I try to be as gracious as I can up here, but yeah, I mean, I have no problem say, saying that. I just, I don't want to delve into the, the, you know, and run down the rabbit hole with it. But, uh, but yes, so, so there's a, there is a local church, a local assembly called out in the Bible, and Paul knows when to delineate that. He says, he'll say, talk about a local church, the church at Corinth, and he'll delineate that. But when you talk about someone who is in Christ, with all the benefits we talked about last three weeks, that's the body of Christ, and Paul clearly states here that it's we all. He includes himself in churches that he was not a member of. So, um, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and if I could say this, too, there's... there's, there's Policies that local churches have, and that's fine to, you know, regulate how they do Lord's Supper or whatever, things like that. But when it comes to the body of Christ, if you've trusted in Christ, you're part of the body of Christ, and you have every benefit of that, and some people teach that you don't, and that's a problem, okay? So just to, just to, to, to cap it, Paul says to the Roman church, he says to the Corinthian church, he includes himself with that body. And how can you do that if he's never been there or he's never been a member of that? It's because every believer is part of that body. Yes, Tim. I knew this one was going to do this anyway, so go ahead. <laughs> Yeah. 
It's a Latin root, yes. Um, and yeah, I choose not to use the, the term for various reasons. Yeah. I like to, when it comes to matters of very clear, do, especially doctrine that is often, um, well, how do I say this? We're, okay, certain doctrinal truths that have other false doctrines associated, people mess, mess up and, and you know misconstrue. I do not like to use common worldly theological terms. I will use what's in the Bible. Okay, does that mean that every word I'm going to say, every term I'm going to use is scriptural? No, I say like the term rapture. Rapture is not in the Bible. Am I going to use it? I don't have a problem with using the word rapture. It's not a, it's not a term that gets misapplied very often. Now the term Catholic, the term universal, yes, I avoid that one. Because the Bible has a very clear term for it. It's the one body in Christ. And uh, once I start using extra biblical terms with doctrines that people mess up, you can really get into a mess. And so that's the only reason why I do that. Yes? Yes. That's <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Well, it says that right there in verse 13, whether we be Jew or Gentile. Whether we, and in these other places, whether we bond or free, male or female, we're all made to drink into that one spirit. And that's, that is, yes. In, in that sense, it is universal. It's not, a, it's not a bad word. I just choose not to use it because of the other people that use it. And I, I, I won't go into that because I have another rabbit trail I want to run down and I can't, I can't do that. So, but uh, anyways, so yes, so we're taught, we're not, the point is we're not talking about a local assembly. We're talking about every person who has believed on the Lord Jesus Christ is placed by the spirit of God into Christ and they are one body, okay? I think we all, we, we all got that, right? All right, and that's good. And, and I, I'm glad we kind of brought up some of those things. Okay, so letter C. So this, this right here, so who baptizes us? It's not a person, it's the Spirit of God. Who is baptized? Every believer in Christ is baptized into Christ, put into Christ. Number three, the letter C there. Understand then, because of this, it is a spiritual baptism into a spiritual entity, which is, that's the body of Christ, which is called the church. Okay? Now, the word church in the Bible is used both of a local congregation and of the one body of Christ. And you've got to look at the context to determine which one it's talking about. Okay? But as far as the one body, the Bible, another term the Bible uses for it is the church. Okay? <clears throat> we talked about the Jew, the Gentile, and the church of God. Mark just brought up that the church of God is, brought, is made up of Jew and Gentile. The church of God, that is the one body in Christ, okay? You will see sometimes Paul refer to a single local congregation as the church of God, and that's fine. What you will never see is a church of God referred to. You will never see a church of God as if they're separate, distinct entities. That's exactly what Paul's trying to avoid here is the, the fractions and the, and the schisms in, in, in between believers. The church of God is one unit, okay? It's a spiritual unit. It's a spiritual baptism. This is not something physical. Somebody, no person does this baptism. It's the spirit of God. It's put into a spiritual entity, the church of God, um, into Christ, um, okay, so, and the Bible does refer to this as the church. Let's look at that, Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> um, 
this is one of the verses that I use to show that it's not. I, that one of my friends is someone who leans towards that. He's not a brighter, but he leans towards that. Um, the local church is the only body of Christ. And if you're not a member of a local church, you're not part of the body of Christ. Um, I, I asked him, I said, well, what do you do with the one body? You tell me that Christ has many bodies? This is where you, this is, this is where you resolve this, right here. Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, just, hmm. <laughs> All right, uh, verse 20 for the context so we know who we're talking about. We're talking about Christ. Uh, right in the middle of the sentence here, but all right, Ephesians 1.20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, comma, which is his body. The fullness of him that filleth all in all. So the church, now I understand the Bible sometimes refers to local congregation as church, but the church, the one body is Christ's body, okay? So one of the, one of the terms to use about the, the, the body of Christ is also the church, okay? Um, all right. Now, to the best of my study, uh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I know, there really is in this one. <laughs> well, their whole doctrine about that thing is totally different from Scripture, yeah, right, which is why we wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so... Yeah, that's the thing. It's the, well, what do you okay? What do you do? Okay, what do you do with that? Uh, my grandmother, Roman Catholic, for her whole life, got saved at the end of her life. What do you do with that? She's not part of a, a local church. She's still going to the Catholic Church. What is she? Explain to me that. Unless you explain it from Scripture as it stands, she is part of that body of Christ, though physically she's part. Of, she's part of another church. Okay, so yeah. Let me address that because the reason why I would never do that is because of what they teach about that. What they teach about that is that that is the unbloody sacrifice of the Mass, and they crucify Christ unbloodily every Mass. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 that Christ suffered once for all, whereas every priest standeth daily ministering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Christ was offered once. So their belief is that it's being Christ being offered again, number one. Number two, they believe that that wafer and that wine, alcoholic, by the way, which is an abomination because Christ's blood was pure, not defiled, that wafer and that wine, they teach that that becomes the actual body and blood of Jesus Christ. 
And if you don't understand that, look it up on Vatican.com, whatever it's not com, but Vatican, look it up. That is what they teach, that that wafer turns into the body of Christ, that wine turns into the blood of Christ, and that is how you obtain salvation. And then even then you can't know. So I'm not trying to ridicule that religion. I'm telling you, why wouldn't I participate with that? Because of that. What they celebrate is not what we celebrate. We celebrate a remembrance of what Christ did for us, pictured by unleavened bread, unfermented grape juice, to picture the pure body and the pure blood of Jesus Christ. It's not the same celebration. That's why I wouldn't do that. So. Mm. Yeah. It'd be the same thing for me. Oh, I don't want to. I can't. I can't go down that. But yes, <laughs> yes, I can't do it. <laughs> okay. Any? Uh, you guys got to hurry up because I got three minutes to finish this lesson. <laughs> go ahead. Is it? Is it for now or for after, Jeff? <laughs> okay, it's for after. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, let's let's wrap this up. Okay, really quick. Let's wrap this up. All right. Uh, letter D. I want you to know that from my studies, I believe there is at least six references to this baptism in Scripture. All right, and this is where people probably differ with me, and that's okay, I don't mind. Um, but what I see from my study and my understanding of this baptism, there are six references, including this one, to this baptism, okay? There's a seventh that I'm, the jury's still out on that one. I'm not sure about it yet, so. All right, here, this is what I want to wrap up with. I have the word caution there. This is the most misunderstood and misused baptism in the scriptures. People come across one of these six references and very often mess it up. The worst one is, you say, why are you calling out religions today? Look, if I don't tell you what people are teaching and how they're wrong, you're going to get sucked into something wrong. All right? There are more Baptists in Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormon churches than you'd like to know because they don't know their Bible or haven't been taught or got pulled in before they were to be able to be sufficiently taught the Scriptures. All right, number one, the Church of Christ. When they read this verse uh, 13 in 1 Corinthians 12, I pulled this off of the, right off of their website. This is how they actually read it. This is quoted from their website. The Church of Christ reads it this way. If you, if you compare it to verse 13 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let me just read verse 13 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and then I'll read how they read it. So the Bible says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles. This is how the Church of Christ reads it. Under the influence of the Spirit, we, who are now Christians, were all led to the place where we were baptized in water for the remission of sins into the body of Christ. And this is one of the mistakes people make with the word baptism, and it's why you need to know there's seven of them. Do not read water when you see baptism unless there's water there. The Church of Christ, as soon as they see the word baptism, will read water. There's no water in this verse. Okay? Really quick. Give, give me two, three minutes. All right? So the, the Church of Christ believes that you must be baptized to get into the body of Christ. You must be baptized in water, excuse me, to get into the body of Christ. You must be baptized to be saved, okay? But generally, all right? And that's what they believe. They believe that the blood of Christ is in the water of baptism. Show me that in the Bible. It's not there. All right. All right. So that's, that's probably the worst um, 
take on that verse. Um, here's some other things, less damaging, but still somewhat. Um, some take the other references to this baptism and the other six you know, passages of this, that refer to this baptism. Some take them and interpret them to mean water baptism, making the same mistake that the Church of Christ does. But they know that baptism doesn't save, so they make the whole passage figurative. And then you miss out on some very important things that we learned that this baptism does for us. Um, so, so if you don't understand that the passage is talking about this baptism and you just say, well, this is water baptism, someone who knows that water baptism does not save you says, well, then they start seeing some things in that passage that's, well, okay, so now I've got to make it figurative and, and you lose the meaning of the passage, okay? And then I also addressed letter C already, but very often I hear this confused with the baptism with the Holy Ghost, whereas the term in this baptism, it's the t baptism by the Holy Ghost. Okay, they're not the same. One is being baptized into the Holy Ghost, receiving the Holy Ghost, the indwelling Holy Ghost, the comfort that Christ promised. That's the baptism with the Holy Ghost. This is a baptism by the Holy Ghost. He's the one doing the baptizing into the body of Christ. All right, now here's, here. What you say, what do I do? How do I determine if this is the baptism by the Holy Ghost when I'm reading, when I see baptism in the Bible? Number four, and then we'll be done. This is, after my study, I believe this is the best way to determine whether a scripture is talking about this baptism or not. Look to see whether the baptism in question credits the believer with something. If, if the passage say, says something about the baptism and it credits the believer, if, it gives, if it's like giving some benefit to the believer or if it's crediting the believer with something, it is most likely the baptism by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. All right, That's the best way to look at it. And I'll show you how that works um, we, as we delve into the passages. But what we're going to do in the following weeks is going to take the rest of these passages and look at them and determine how are we identifying this as the baptism by the Holy Ghost, by the Holy Spirit into Christ, and what do we learn, what, what does it teach us by that, by that passage.